What's up, world? I'm Matt Newberg from Hungary, and this is The Feed. Each episode, we'll dive into conversations with the industry insiders who are leveraging technology to shape the way we eat. On today's episode of The Feed, I sat down with Sai Aluri, co-founder and CEO of Momos, an all-in-one customer engagement platform that helps restaurants grow and retain their guests. In this episode, we'll talk about how Momos is consolidating email marketing and feedback management, leveraging AI, and how restaurants are using it to identify key areas to surprise and delight their customers. This podcast is brought to you by Hungry, a media and research platform dedicated to the intersection of food and technology. For more information, please visit Hungry.tv, that's Hungry with no U, and click subscribe to join the weekly newsletter. Mosai, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Um, thanks for coming up here. Let's just start with your background. Uber Eats in uh, Asia Pacific area, and then moving on to Grab. Yeah. And heading up Grab Kitchen and Cloud Retail uh, in Singapore. I'd love to just kind of talk about your experience there. No, sounds good, Matt. Great to be here. Um, so I started my career after college working consulting for a few years and then joined Uber in San Francisco back in 2014 uh, on the ride-sharing business as a data analyst. Um, so just as Uber was starting to scale from the U.S., internationally, ride-sharing all over globally as well. And then um, after a few years of working in ride-sharing, I moved over to Uber Eats in Singapore, um, helping launch Uber Eats across the North Asia region, so Hong Kong, Tokyo, Korea, and then also Australia and Southeast Asia. Um, this was just at the advent of food delivery um, scaling, so back in 2016, 2017. Um, and in the early days, it was more about explaining the proposition, the value prop of delivery and why that could be beneficial to restaurants everywhere globally. Um, obviously, in the beginning, the model and the economic model was something that we had to figure out and work with uh, with it. But immediately, we saw that consumers similar to the U.S. in Asia also really, really enjoyed the convenience and the availability of food delivery options. Um, so you can just order from anywhere else or whatever you needed. And then as delivery started picking up, in 2018, Grab from the Southeast Asia region actually acquired Uber Eats and Uber uh, business um, within Southeast Asia. Um, so as a part of that acquisition, moved over to Grab to help set up the food delivery business and then also launch uh, their cloud kitchen arm. Um, so from 2018 to 2020, spent two years really building out the cloud kitchen business. Um, so this is when Cloud kitchens were scaling globally. Um, I think we were just at the business model and delivery was really, really taking off and everywhere. Um, so helped um, launch over 50 kitchens um, in Indonesia and across Southeast Asia. Um, and this was both the models of bringing restaurants into these kitchens to be on food delivery. And then we also experimented with launching our own uh, virtual brands and then cloud retail, basically trying to optimize every single square footage in the kitchen to maximize it. Um, so during these times was where we really understood what the unit economics are for cloud kitchens. How does it work? What makes it, um, what's the right model uh, to scale that as well? And would you say it worked or like what, what were the kind of the takeaways here? I think it's been a little bit of a slog here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, as we're seeing some of the news about cloud kitchens selling warehouses, laying, going through multiple rounds of layoffs this year, raising an insane amount of capital uh, during the peak with a valuation of $15 billion. Mm. Uh, I'm curious, like, yeah, like, you know, I... I Obviously, the dynamics are different in that in, in Asia with uh, the cost of labor and kind of the ratio of like AOVs, you know, relative to the cost of labor. But I'm curious, like, what works well and what doesn't work so well with with them. Right yeah, I mean, I think the first two three years were very much about discovery to see what are the models that really work and really take off. And what we saw that was for the smaller restaurants, if you typically have like one or three locations, mm -hmm. it's much harder to make yeah. cloud kitchens work because you essentially need to get a ton of demand right. uh, on food delivery. And if you're a new brand expanding into mm -hmm. new locations, you have to have that brand presence to show up on Uber Eats or DoorDash right. or Grubhub. So you're spending a lot of money on marketing. Uh, right. And if you're spending a lot of money on marketing, you're spending money on delivery uh, and the margins don't really take right. off as much. What we saw at work was 
for larger QSRs who already had that brand yeah, presence. So, exactly. so basically, the more locations you are in, the closer yeah. you are to customers, your delivery fees are right. um, lower as well. And then you don't need to spend as much on marketing. And then right. two was if you're um, a restaurant that can run multiple brands out of right. the same kitchen. Um, so if you can optimize your staff and labor right. to be able to do four or five brands um, yeah. and then you're using the same ingredients and go through it, you can do that too. And third, you really, really need, needed to get your quality yeah. uh, under control and operations under control. So in the early days, what would happen is when you're scaling to these cloud kitchens, because it's all focused on delivery. Um, right. And for delivery, you have to make sure that you're using the right packaging. Um, there's not, you're taking care of like your missing items, your wrong orders, everything's following that mm-hmm. operational sense of what you need to do. And in the early days when people were really expanding into these locations, the quality mm-hmm. might not come through mm-hmm. and that could end up hurting your brand longer term as well. Absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, so I think the first two, three years, um, there was a lot of exploration into figuring out what the right model is. And I think now, um, as you're expanding and as the whole world is focused on system- sustainability and profitability, right. these new models are starting to work um, for certain segments of the restaurant industry, as opposed to in the early days when we thought it could work for everyone. Mm. Makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, cutting off dine-in and relying purely on online traffic, you don't get that you know, like inherent business. And then, yeah, because your store is your billboard essentially and you're paying rent, so. Exactly, I mean, I think the beauty of where we are right now in terms of the restaurant model and being omni-channel is, especially if you're of any size restaurant, you, sh- you really need to focus on dine-in, pickup, delivery, um, your own delivery channels as yeah. well, and then really optimizing that because customers, like to order from all of these channels, right? So right. it's not, you can just choose one or the other. Right. Um, and if you can get that to work really well and you're able to get the margins from dine-in, but get the awareness from uh, third-party delivery, right. so you can segment the right segments to order directly from your own website or yeah. your own app. Um, I think that's when the economics yeah. and the margins really start growing too. Yeah, it's very similar to what we've seen in other industries like travel, um, where it's just about yield management, trying to figure out all these different channels and making them all profitable. Definitely, definitely, yeah. Um, and, but, the, but the tough part is that um, as you're trying to do this, these look, require a lot of software and a lot of technology right. to be able to do it. Um, and restaurants are already under-resourced as is yeah. to manage five, six channels exactly. uh, in terms of just um, the ordering type. And then you have technologies that are living everywhere else also. Okay, so that's a good segue. I would love to just kind of hear more about you know, let's transition over to Momos and how you kind of discovered the problem that led to the founding of that. Yeah, definitely. So, so in 2020 uh, was late 2020 was when we founded Momos, um, and during that time period, my co-founder and I, we were um, in Singapore um, quarantined during COVID, um, and Singapore went through a pretty crazy COVID period where um, for those two years. We were quarantined. Um, it wasn't as easy to leave the country or come back in. And they did a really good job in terms of keeping the cases under control, but it really had a um, big impact on the restaurant industry there. Because uh, a lot of restaurants that survived purely on dine-in had to go through delivery, had to grow their online presence in a over a week or a day period in terms of what happened. So what I started doing as soon as um, like the first three, four months of COVID was, working with some of my favorite restaurants to help them go on Grab or some of the other food delivery platforms, help them manage their social media and their Facebook for free just to help them make that transition. Um, and as I was doing that, I just it just hit me that there's so many channels that a restaurant has to manage, right? So if you're talking about a mom and pop, it's usually one or two operators that are doing everything from operations to marketing to supply chain. And now they had to also figure out how to manage these new uh, delivery channels um, or their online presence as well. And both in Asia and in the US, when we were looking to see if there's any products that we can recommend, um, there wasn't a single platform that made it easy uh, for them to be able to market um, what initially started off as just for online delivery, and then also to help them manage all the feedback that their guests were saying. So once this realization hit, um, co-founder Andrew and I, we, we resigned from Grab a few weeks later and then started Momo's um, uh, very late 2020 and have been building over the last three years. And our 
thesis and hypothesis has evolved over the last years, like for, for most startups. But what we wanted to do was we wanted to build a single, single platform that makes it easy for restaurants to manage every single guest interaction because guests are giving them feedback in so many different locations and then also become the single um, marketing platform that they could use to grow their online presence, uh, retain their customers and bring them back to. And one one additional side story um, from my kitchen days that we realized was reviews and feedback matter a ton, not just for Google or for Yelp, but also on food delivery platforms because uh, how you show up and where you show up on the platform really, really depends on your ratings, the number of reviews that you're getting and making sure that you're listening to the feedback that your customers are giving you and able to transfer that back. What made that really difficult was you had a lot of channels where you're getting this feedback from. In the US alone, there is over 15 channels that you could be getting feedback. Google, Yelp, OpenTable, um, TripAdvisor, food delivery platforms. Um, you could be trying to get feedback at your restaurant, on your website, email support. So unless you're a really, really large QSR who had a dedicated team of service agents to manage all of this, it became really difficult to do it. And the insights in that specific review was very, very uh, impactful and useful because customers are telling you what they're loving about your product and what can be fixed, right? And if you could figure out a way to harness that data, um, you have real-time feedback about how to get better. Okay, so if you're at a, and there's a lot there. So sure, like, yeah. you basically have a dashboard, like if you're gonna say what, what Momos is, is in the sentence and a pitch is a dashboard to manage customer feedback and run top of funnel marketing, kind of marketing automation on those customers based on the data from all these different channels of third-party delivery, dine-in, pickup, et cetera. Yeah, exactly, Matt. So um, we, we try to solve three main problems in Momos. The first one is basically consolidating all your guest feedback into a single platform for you to reply back to them mm -hmm. um, using AI or automation. Mm -hmm. And then two, we give you um, insights specifically on what's working and what's not working uh, mm -hmm. for dine-in, delivery, first party. Um, and then you can use that information to fix the problem on the ground. And we mm -hmm. have a bunch of collaboration software that you can use. And the third piece of information is a uh, problem that we're solving is consolidating all your customer data. Mm -hmm. um, so you have guest data that's living on your POS, your loyalty platform, on your website and Excel spreadsheets, um, surveys, all mm. these different channels. We consolidate it into a single customer database platform, um, give you segments based on AI on who's your loyal customer, who's mm -hmm. about to churn. Um, and then instead of having it go from there and go to a different platform to send those emails or there's SMS messages or run mm -hmm. those campaigns, you can do it all within Momos too. Right. Uh, um, so this one single platform allows you to hear what every single guest is saying mm -hmm. and then also use that to retain them and bring back new customers. And so if are you, you're integrating with their, the POS system and getting customer data that way as well or do, does it have to be, I have to leave a review through the restaurants, you know, I guess Momos microsite to get into this uh, kind of opt-in marketing. Yeah, so so um, we can collect customer data uh, obviously with opt-in from the customers themselves, either from directly from the Momos channels, um, mm -hmm. which include our surveys, offers, or forms, um, or uh, we're also connecting directly to the POS, the mm -hmm. loyalty platforms, um, the first-party delivery platforms too. Okay, because uh, all this data is the restaurants at the end of the day. Right? right. All we're doing is making it very easy to get all that information and build a single customer profile, mm -hmm. so you can understand who was the customer that ordered on your POS. Um, maybe they're a loyal member. What do they give you as a rating and their feedback? Um, and then did they order on your website or your app as well afterwards, right? So then you can get a full timeline on what this customer has done. And the reason that it's very important to combine that with feedback is, let's say you have a segment of five or 10% of your customers that are highly loyal. They're ordering from you once a week across your different channels. If that customer ever goes from giving you five-star reviews to two stars or one mm -hmm. star, you immediately want to know what's happening, right? Yeah. Because they're a customer that's coming back daily or weekly right. to enjoy your experience. And the feedback that they're giving also matters a lot because they know what the standard is, mm -hmm. right? Um, and if your loyal customers start churning, it's going to be harder to get new customers and retain um, someone, mm -hmm. someone else. But currently, it's hard to know which feedback is more of a priority to focus on right. compared to something else. 
who's a troll and who's a, who's really worth Yeah, I mean, less, less so about a troll, but if it's mm-hmm. a new customer, because uh, um, a lot of right. restaurants say this, where it's just like, hey, maybe they just don't like our food or maybe it's just, right. it's just their profile preference, right? Because yeah. you can't please everyone, but if you have a segment that was right. a loyal customer, um, they were expecting a certain amount yeah. of quality that you can look into. Yeah, no, I've definitely uh, frequent in res- have frequented restaurants less when I noticed that something is off yeah. and, it, and it goes downhill or... Um, a lot of places that were like great pre-COVID aren't so great post-COVID, et cetera. So. Exactly, and and then and the piece, and this is why we we believe in making it uh, real-time feedback available. Um, mm-hmm. And because when you rate on Google or Yelp, you're usually leaving one review for that restaurant perpetually, right? It's hard to leave. You can't even leave multiple reviews on Google for the same location. But as a loyal customer, as a regular customer your experience might change from the fifth time to the 10th time or the 15th time. So you wanna have an easy way to basically give a five star or one star, give a one liner. And that information goes to the restaurant very quickly in an mm-hmm. easy way, right? Um, so, so that's why we built out our survey product um, mm-hmm. to make it very seamless after you make an order um, uh, on any of the platforms, you get an immediate email or an SMS message. You can give that feedback one through five stars. Um, and if it's a one star, the restaurant can directly recover you um, and understand what happened with your experience. So how would you define the, this term of a customer data platform has started, you know, like restaurants have to figure out like all the different pieces of the stack that they need to, to adopt, right? Yeah. I think everyone understands that first party delivery is a must at this point. Uh, everyone knows what a POS is. Some of them are doing loyalty. Other ones are just using the built-in toast thing, which is a disaster. Mm. And then now they say, oh, you need a CDP. So what is a CDP? How did this term come to be? I didn't hear about it until Wisely came came about with that Olo acquisition. Yeah. So CDP stands for Customer Database Platform. Um, and the main purpose of a CDP is to take your customer data from multiple channels and consolidate it into a single database. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the work, the magic that happens in the background is it looks at that customer's email address or phone number or any identifier and sees all the different uh, platforms that they've made a purchase on or order on and combines it into a single view. Mm-hmm. So instead of having this customer record being in eight different channels um, doing something different, mm-hmm you get a single view of what that customer is and what they've done across all of these places. And the reason that's so important is like the customer of 2023 doesn't just come into your restaurant um, and does dine in, right? They're ordering from everywhere. So if they're ordering from everywhere, you need to really understand Mm -hmm. what, how their experience is across all these platforms. And if you're starting to notice that a certain ordering channel is really growing or getting better, that insight is important um, for you to do that too. Mm -hmm. And once you have a CDP, you can start doing customer segmentation. Um, So it's important to know if who your loyal customers are, who your high value customers are, who your customers that are about to churn, or maybe your Mm -hmm. customers that are unhappy. And also it could also be at an item level, right? So if you wanna know Mm -hmm. if there's customers that love specific items Mm -hmm. or when you launch a new LTO, are they uh, interested in that? Do they like unique flavors, do they Mm not? Um, So that becomes very important too. And then finally, once you have the segments, then you can market to them, right? right? Um, And those marketing could be everything from promoting new items or bringing back your churn customers Mm -hmm. or using that as a way to build lookalike audiences on Facebook Mm -hmm. to find other new customers that you can bring back to. So it's all acquisition growth and retention kind oh, of. Exactly, exactly. And and I think the we are hearing this word CDP a lot um, where for Momo's uh, in our philosophy of building that single platform, we believe that combined with a CDP or feedback score is also very important uh, because a CDP without understanding the sentiment or the happiness of that mm-hmm. customer, it's, it's hard to gauge the level of where they're at. Mm -hmm. Um, So that fourth angle of really giving you customer satisfaction data on top of their ordering behavior um, is what makes Momo's unique. And that's where we're focusing so much on these integrations uh, and making that visible for for customers. So how many how many pieces of software are you replacing or, you know, CDP sounds like a new thing, right? It sounds like, oh, crap, I got to get on board with this new thing. I already have a million different other things that I'm working, you know, trying to string together technology-wise of a restaurant tech stack. So where do you sit in that? And um, what do you think your 
replacing, I guess. Yeah, so I think for our two main products, right? So our feedback product we call customer care, which is all focused on feedback. So there in itself, if a restaurant wasn't using any technology to help them manage their feedback and reputation, mm -hmm. we're talking about 15 plus channels that a okay. single restaurant has to go sure. log in and reply back yeah. and download data just for feedback. And now there's, over the last 10 years, there are solutions that come in and consolidate parts of those 15 channels. So those 15 mm -hmm. channels have moved into five or six separate point solutions, meaning mm -hmm. that there's a uh, uh, solution that you can buy just for your Google reviews. There's a solution that you can buy for your food delivery reviews, for surveys, right. long surveys, short surveys, um, for to help you with your customer service. Mm -hmm. um, so the 15 channels, 15 plus channels, have moved down to five or six plus channels. But even then, none of those channels talk to each other, right? The data mm -hmm. coming from those, siloed, yeah. it's super siloed. You're paying a lot of money for each of them individually. Um, and, and then they live separately. So what we've done just on the feedback side is we moved the 15 to 16 uh, channels to five to six vendors to a single platform. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and because of that, and our main philosophy at uh, Momo's is we're very, very product and tech oriented. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a um, really highly high quality engineers and product managers building out our solution. And our philosophy is to make our solution, solutions interoperable. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have something that's working for Google reviews should also work for surveys or customer service. So you mm -hmm. build the same stack once and you can use it everywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so that allows us to give a single user experience for our customers mm -hmm. while also keeping costs very low. Um, so feedback alone came down from 16.5 to a single one. For CDP, if you're doing it right now, um, there's about seven, six to seven channels, loyalty, POS, first party, um, surveys, forms, your website. Uh, into a single platform. Got it. And then once you have the CDP, you're also still using a MailChimp or HubSpot right. to send out these campaigns. Um, so that's still an additional um, uh, uh, solution that you need to mm -hmm. use on top of that. And then Marquee does some of that reputation management. You you have a partnership with them. Can you explain kind of what they're doing well and what like how you integrate with them and then maybe where that falls short, I guess? Yeah, so, so for us, we, we work with Marquee um, mainly on their listings solution. Um, okay. So we don't provide a listing solutions um, within Momo's itself, but it's something that restaurants and partners really value to make sure that your operating hours, your menu data right. is always live across every single channel. So we you work, can, yeah. You compete with them though on the reputation management piece. So, so I think you're starting to see different vendors and solutions provide additional pieces too. Um, mm -hmm. But for Marquee specifically, um, the listings management is their top focus. Mm -hmm. um, whereas for us, reputation management and given mm -hmm. this consolidation is a really top focus. Okay. Um, so we work with each other um, to share our customers in terms of who are interested in listings I see. Um, um, to, to build that partnership out. Got it, okay. And then I guess, what restaurants do you, like, who are your best customers that you're really proud to share? Um, and like, what do you think the profile of the number of locations and who should be talking to you? Yeah, so so we work with restaurants of all sizes. So mm -hmm. we work with restaurants that have one or a single or one or two locations to um, some of the biggest QSRs in the world that have 300 plus locations. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, uh, if it's a single one or two location mom and pop, we provide a lot of automation uh, mm -hmm. and AI throughout our product. Mm -hmm. So if you're having to go to manage 15 channels, a single mom and pop still has to manage 15 channels, you can come on Momos, set it up, integrate with these different platforms. Mm -hmm. um, it's a 30 minute setup time. And then you can turn on AI responses or automation or AI feedback. Mm -hmm. And you get all of that information that would have taken you hours and hours to consolidate uh -huh. in a single place instantly. Whereas if you're a bigger uh, restaurant that has 30 to 200 locations, we, right. we work with restaurants like Just Salad, we work with Black mm -hmm. Rock Coffee, uh, we work with The Stand in the Bay Area. Cool. So um, 10 plus locations to 100 locations, your operations become more and more complex as you launch more locations mm -hmm. because feedback that was coming in or your operational savviness in a single location now is compounded into 10 or 20 locations. Mm -hmm. um, so over there, um, instead of having to scale the number of team members that you have to reply to all of these uh, different feedback coming in, we enable a lot of efficiencies there. Mm -hmm. uh, and they also use us for analytics and insights. 
So um, someone says like, okay, the pastrami is dry and they have no manpower to go and like have a dedicated customer support person like respond to their reviews. You have like AI that is essentially responding to that dry pastrami thing saying, we're so sorry, send us an, an email, we'll give you like a credit or something or how does that work? Yeah, so we're integrated with the latest chat GPT models um, okay. uh, within Momo. So we haven't turned on um, full AI throughout our platform because <laughs> uh, it's still it's still early on. But what we do is the AI actually looks at all your responses and your mm-hmm. brand voice and your tone over all your previous replies that you've done. Mm-hmm. And using that, we're actually able to craft a response for you. So mm-hmm. instead of crafting a response that might take you five or six minutes to write everything, mm-hmm. you get the first version and about 80 to 90% of the time, our customers, our restaurants just actually go ahead and use that. I but see. if they need to edit it, they've changed a few things and then they can respond back to that. I see. Um, so it really, really decreases the amount of time that you need to mm-hmm. spend on it. Um, and then we also give you, um, you know, the management team can set up templates or responses that you can respond back with. Okay, so it's not just automatically posting stuff. No, without no, no, you, it's not. It's not. No. Okay. It's, it's, it's meant to really <laughs> improve the efficiency um, mm-hmm. of, of the sense. team members that you have. Um, I want to get more into AI, but like, who is who is that customer within that organization of a restaurant that is actually your kind of end user of Momos? Yeah, so so we think we have three end users um, at Momos. The first one is the team that focuses on purely customer service. Um, so that could be some organizations have a dedicated team for customer service. Some organizations, it's part of their marketing team. Mm-hmm. So anyone that's looking at all their feedback, replying to all their feedback, and making sure that the customer who's said, uh, giving you feedback is replied back to instantly, especially mm-hmm. the ones that are negative. Um, so first team is customer service. The second team is the operations and leadership team who are trying to um, analyze what's going on at a brand yeah. level, location level, staff level, right? Because okay. there's insights that could be happening holistically across your entire brand, right? Uh-huh. Maybe everyone's complaining about your fries not tasting as well yeah. across all locations. Or maybe that's isolated to one of the locations in LA that you have, mm-hmm. right? So those insights right now, what would happen is you'd have to essentially have an analyst or someone dedicated to downloading that information, consolidating <laughs> it, unifying it, giving you that. And then also maybe having some data scientists to go through all that feedback and giving it to you. Um, so what we do is we just run it through um, uh, open AI. Uh, mm-hmm. We're able to get the sentiment and categories mm-hmm. for every single review, mm-hmm. not only just for Google, but your Google, uh, third-party deliveries, surveys, uh, online reputation, and then any like customer feedback that uh, they're giving, like on your emails or your websites. Mm-hmm. And then if we give you a single feedback score at a location level. Mm. Um, so if you're a regional manager or a COO, you can come in and immediately have a view on which locations are working, which ones are not. Or if there's a trend that's happening across your entire brand, um, that insights there mm-hmm. very quickly as well. And finally, the last team um, that we work very closely with is the marketing team. Um, so the marketing team mm-hmm. who's building out um, customer segments, running email campaigns, mm-hmm. SMS campaigns, or Facebook ads, um, and understanding who their customers are um, mm-hmm. is a third team that uses us. If, if, if we go back to that mom and pop that is you know, short-staffed, especially at the corporate level, maybe it's just like one proprietor and yeah. a bunch of you know, people working the kitchen in the front of house, how do you think about giving them tools for marketing automation? You know, they don't understand how to divide a CDP into different cohorts and you know run LTOs necessarily, and they don't have a dedicated marketing person that understands best practices. Is this something? Like, what is the mix of AI product and just you know standard technology that is, you know? helping make that a little bit more productized for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the way we think about it at Momo's also right now is our AI feedback product um, is ready for mom and pop because it allows a Mm -hmm. lot of automation and time savings um, for them to use it. Our marketing product, I would say over the next year or two, Mm -hmm. is going to have a lot lot more automations, right? So it automatically Mm -hmm. gives you the segments that you Mm -hmm. need to focus on. And then each segment using AI and our learnings to see what is the right offer to send them, what is the right email to send them. Mm -hmm. Now you can actually also, we actually have a feature where um, we use AI to automatically generate email 
templates for you. Um, so you, so you, yeah, so you, just the copy, right? Just the copy, and then also images too, right? Really? So, so you can actually um, upload um, your menu, mm-hmm. and then using that menu upload that you do, we mm-hmm. can actually come out with different um, settings and scenarios for all those images automatically for you. Um, using generative AI images? Yes, using, using, Dolly yeah, using, yeah, using Dolly 3. Um, and also if you wanna use your own menu image um, on the foreground, but a background that's completely wow. different with a different setting, you press a button, you write a prompt and it, and it fills it out for you. So we're talking about where you can get to a point where you don't really need graphic designers or photographers photographers or copywriters and spending a lot of money and a lot of time, which mom and pops don't do. Mm-hmm. You can just write a prompt, email is created for you, you know, mm-hmm. which segment to send it out for. Mm-hmm. And then you click a button and it's sent. Um, so we're not there yet to have it fully automated, um, mm-hmm. but we're working towards it and the rate at which AI mm-hmm. is evolving. Um, I'd say we're, we're like a year or two away from getting to a point where mm-hmm. all your email campaigns and mm-hmm. then also your Facebook ad campaigns can be fully automated um, wow. with the copies and the content too. So I wanna, I wanna get more into the AI piece because it's fascinating and I literally just wrote a piece about, in, about open AI or just G- LLMs, large language models in the context of nutrition apps mm. and you know one of the, I don't know if you can tell but hungry is very uh, critical you know I try to pull th- dissect things and try to understand where they where they break and where they succeed wh- what they're good at you know essentially and I think what I came to the conclusion of at least within the context of nutrition is like open AI large language models uh, GPT4 etc are very good at unbounded soft, edge problems, mm. I would say. Um, I'm stealing that term from a Stanford PhD. <laughs> but there's also, then there's the harder problems, right? So hard edge problems are something with a very binary specific outcome, as in like ordering pizza, I need to make sure that like the pepperoni is on the pizza and that it's gonna charge me the right amount and it's gonna get to my house in, on time. Yep. Uh, or if I'm in the drive-through that like it adds you know, like the buffalo sauce or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. And if you don't get that, then you fail, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas like an unbounded problem is something, it could be even like, you know, I feel like the, the large language models are very good at it. It's like, come up with a, an email, like, a, a, like literally write the entire email or like generate an image of this based on these, like this prompt. And there's, there can be lots of different potential outcomes that satisfy that prompt, Yep. yep right? Yeah. It's not something where, we have other tools already at our disposal um, that might already be well suited to solving those harder edge problems, maybe. Or maybe there's a combination of, you know, an unbounded LLM with some sort of middle middleware or another kind another of layer. another layer of rules that are harder that essentially allow things to fall into certain buckets based on certain business logic. And I was just talking to my friend from um, who works in AI about this and you know, large companies, um, you know, the Morgan Stanley, you know, like these, these very big institutions are not willing to just simply say, let the AI run freely. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there has to be some sort of boundaries drawn there at some, sometimes when you're, when you're starting with this very wide prompt, you know? So all that's to say is, I guess I'm curious, like, when you do get to the point where you, the mom and pop is re- just going to be like, send a, an offer to my most loyal customers about some something that they recommend is the best LTO to run or whatever it is, how much of that is going to be using open AI and how much of this is going to be something that you guys program yourselves? No, that's a, that's a great question. Because uh, I think one of the worries with open AI and gen AI is the hallucinations that can happen where yeah. you, you basically give it a prompt and sometimes it just two or 3% of the time just goes completely off script and says something. Um, so the- Yeah, yeah engineer- we've seen that Bing thing where they, they started to try to like hit on the writer or was like have some very creepy conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they have to like add balance to it and, yeah. and keep going through it, right? So, so I think OpenAI gives you the technology with AI to generate 
text, content, whatever you're looking for, right? I think what we do and uh, really is on top of that is adding that layer for all this restaurant feedback data or restaurant customer data to put it in a position that can be used for these campaigns. And once it's there, I think it's, it's, it's still very important for the human element to make the final call and go through it. I think we're still years away for no human supervision um, right. before you send something out. Um, but the main Time, uh, time sync right now for someone's trying to run a marketing campaign is you got to get a photo, you got to design it, right? You got to put it into an email editor. Um, and then you got to um, maybe potentially if you're doing a Facebook ad, follow all these pieces that go into it. And the friction is so high to be able to do that. And the right. learning curve is high that you typically don't do it, right? And if you're not doing it, then your customers are not hearing from you. And mm-hmm. if there's someone who's more sophisticated, they have a marketing agency or they're investing, even if you have the better food product or the better quality, mm-hmm. um, might be getting more customers because you haven't done that, right? So what we want to do is really, really simplify the aspect of having to be able to create these campaigns yeah. um, and make them look beautiful, right? Like not just a very like version 1995 version of an email campaign that you're sending out, but mm-hmm. like using the latest AI, you can actually get to a point where you're 95, 96% happy, and then you can add your own spin to it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and I think it depends customer to customer. Some customers might have AI use it for 95% of it, but some customers who actually wanna go in and change it might only use it for 40 or 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, it saves time and it saves a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and the end customer at the end of it is gonna really win out because they're gonna get a lot more content from their favorite mm-hmm. restaurants um, and a lot more creative ideas mm-hmm. that are gonna be coming through from this too. So it is really about the content, like the, all the segmentation and everything, uh, like we know like generative AI isn't going to be pulling out that. That's just classic data science, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely classic data science. Um, you're building models on top of it. Um, but again, like I said, historically, having the ability to create models for your segmentation, yeah. you'd have to spend a lot of money to build a data warehouse. You have to hire yeah, own in-house tools. data scientists, right? Or you gotta get a really expensive software. Yeah. Um, to, to be able to do that, right? But now with AI and with what we're trying to build with this single platform that's interoperable, um, the cost can come down for you mm-hmm. to be able to use all of this in one place. Very cool. What do the reports look like for an operator, let's say um, a key stakeholder that's able to get like a glimpse into what is happening across their entire business? Yeah, so, so for us, we have three main reports on the feedback side. Um, the first one is basically gives you a summary view on how all your channels are working, right? So it's, we, spent, we put a lot of emphasis on making sure that you're getting great ratings on Google Yelp and then also on the food delivery platform. So you get to really see it over time on how that's moving and what's working, what's not. Um, then we have a leaderboard view, which operators and GMs really appreciate, um, especially for multi-location brands. So if you have 100 locations mm-hmm. across, split up across 10 regions, you can get a single feedback score on how every single location and region is performing mm-hmm. um, across delivery, across dine-in, across pickup, first party, everything else as well. So our, our operators spend a lot of time looking through that leaderboard view. And then finally, we have a full categories and insights section that's um, built fully on AI, which gives you trends on your positive sentiment, negative sentiment across different mentions. Um, So you can have a score that shows you what is your food quality um, Mm -hmm. over time and um, what's the breakup Mm -hmm. between positive and negative mentions. If you click into food quality, it breaks it down into temperature, Mm -hmm. uh, freshness, um, uh, anything else that's related to that food quality, you can immediately mm-hmm. know. And then if you wanna know, for example, your customer experience, it goes into staff, um, ambiance, and anything else you're trying to look at it. So we built it out to be fully exploratory so you can mm-hmm. see what's happening, what's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're actually gonna be launching a new feature in the next few weeks where using Gen AI again, um, let's say you found out that you had a problem with your temperature. Um, for across mm-hmm. all these stores. And you click on that, you see that there's 40 reviews um, that are talking about poor, um, very, it's, the food's very cold, the temperature's not ideal. Instead of having to read through all of it, we'll use AI to summarize all of that information and yeah. give you just the key points of what those 40 customers are saying. Yeah. Um, so it really, really helps you give that insight. And once you have it, you can talk to the team and yeah. change those SOPs out. Very cool. Yeah, I have um, Superhuman for my email client. They just added these summaries. And yeah. 
it's crazy to take an email that's like some people write really long emails. Exactly. And it just does bullet points. Yeah. And it's like, yes. Yeah, bullet points. <laughs> and like, imagine if you're like an operator, right? You're like, hey, I have to go through these 50 yeah, reviews every day, right? You're getting so many reviews. Yeah. Now you just get three bullet points on what's happening yeah. uh, quickly. Do you have a brief case study you can share where, you know, from a customer that used some of, one of these modules and really got a lot out of it that you want to uh, share with all, all of your listeners out there? Yeah, definitely. Um, so one of our customers, early customers, is a uh, poke restaurant. Um, they have mm -hmm. over 20 locations. And um, as they were using uh, Momos for feedback and looking through all the reviews that were coming in, um, and they have essentially they offer customized poke bowls, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you can choose what type of poke you want, um, what are the toppings and everything mm -hmm. else that you need to have. Um, one of the things that they found out from using Momos was they saw this keyword garlic chips um, showing up a lot with a lot of <laughs> negative sentiment, mm -hmm. right? And when you're thinking about it, it's like, hey, why? That's just a single topping uh -huh. on top of like 20, 30 toppings. Yeah, that would crunch. happen. Yeah. And when that was being used for delivery specifically, uh, customers didn't uh, like it a lot because by the time it got delivered, it was soggy. very hard. Oh. Um, it wasn't like, it didn't add to the profile of uh -huh. everything else. So they saw that and it wasn't isolated to a single location or a separate time right. period. So you could tell that it was maybe not a bad batch or anything. Mm -hmm. um, and they replaced that with uh, fried onions, for example, right? So they changed that up, added a different topping. And as soon as they'd done that, Reviews started wow. going up um, and you can actually start seeing that customers actually like that new topping that came out also. Wow. So the beauty of the feedback is, even though there's a lot, once you can figure out how to really consolidate it and analyze mm -hmm. it, the customers are so specific with what they like, what they don't like, yeah. that if you use that and iterate on that, you can really, yeah. really keep growing and developing your brand mm -hmm. and be on top of what customers are feeling yeah. at any given point. Yeah. Um, so that's one example. We have a few other examples where um, uh, some of our customers were able to figure out um, specific locations um, mm -hmm. that were not working uh, because the team there wasn't mm -hmm. following a certain SOP yeah. or maybe one of the staff themselves were being rude to customers, right? Um, so you can find mm -hmm. out all these pieces that are dispersed between thousands mm -hmm. of reviews like this. Mm -hmm. um, so that really uh, allows the operations teams and leadership teams yeah. to understand what's going on at a yeah. location level too. It's like finding the needle in the haystack. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I think, I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to this industry, which is so complex and so many moving pieces, and as you add all these channels, you know, that just grows exponentially, uh, having tools like this to really focus on those you know, that attention to detail that I think customers are looking for when it comes to reordering and be, becoming a loyal customer over time. Yeah. I think that's everything, you know, it's like QAing your third party delivery and sitting, you know, keeping it a dish in a car for 45 minutes and just yeah. eating it after and having all your staff do that. Like how many restaurants order their own product and like secret shop Shoppers their own stuff. Check you know, it out, like, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like when we, when I started getting into the restaurant industry and um. I've been in the industry for the last seven, eight years. Um, very, very passionate, uh, love my food, try, love trying out new restaurants. And I think for me, it's always wanna be in a world where you can have the mom and pops or thrive and succeed in terms of creating what they do. Uh, but it's also one of the most com complicated industries in the world, Yeah. right? It is the industry where you have to focus on real estate, supply chain, operations, marketing, customer service, technology, all at the same point while also creating good food that changes every year or two years, depending on what customers want, right? So for us, we've chosen an area that we feel like with technology can provide a lot of value um, and while keeping your keeping it affordable and keeping it simple for them to use it. When you think about like, you know, we talked a lot about retention, but like new, you know, attracting new customers, um, you know, you, you spoke about like, you know, lookalike audiences. Can you just talk a little bit more about how a tool like yours um, currently deals with acquisition and then maybe talk about the future of what that looks like to really grow grow the business, grow the customer. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, when we first started building out our marketing product, um, we, we saw that a lot of our restaurants, mom and pop and bigger customers were using Facebook and Instagram uh, for social media and ads because a lot of customers, especially the younger generations are discovering food on Instagram, right? Are, um, in terms of just 
the photos, the video content that you're creating. And a lot of brands are becoming successful based on that too. Uh, but the difficulty with running ads on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or anywhere else is it's hard to know um, if that customer that you ran this ad to actually showed up, right? So the main metrics that a lot of uh, restaurants were being shared was how many impressions or views or clicks were you getting, right? But that doesn't translate into dollar amount, right? So if you're spending thousands of dollars every month and you do have no idea if these customers are walking in, it's hard to justify keep doing it or um, keep spending on it. Mm. So we built out a product where we you can run Facebook and Instagram ads natively um, within Momos. Okay. And we give you attribution to see if how many of those customers that saw it actually showed up at your restaurant. Wow. Um, so this is one of our breakthrough products just for new customer acquisition because you run an ad, you might get 10,000 people who saw it. But then you can say that, hey, 5,000 people clicked on it. We take them to a Momo screen where they fill out their name and email address mm-hmm. um, and they get an offer sent to them. Okay. And with that offer, they can actually go to the restaurant and redeem it. And mm-hmm. once they redeem it, we close the loop with both Facebook and the wow. POS to show that, hey, you spent $1,000 on this ad, but you got $10,000 worth of customers who ordered from you. And now you have a customer database that you can build off of that mm-hmm. to build lookalike audiences, which is essentially you go on Facebook and you're like, hey, these are the customers that had the highest propensity to show up at my restaurant. Right. Can you find other customers like this, which makes wow. your ad spend more efficient. And then you can use this to target these customers over time as well. Wow. So really, really wanted to make sure that anything that we build, especially for the restaurant industry, gets that mm-hmm. attribution and that ROI very clearly. It's increasingly more difficult in an era of you know third-party delivery where you know they they don't own you don't own the data and so how do you go about scanning that offer and like actually closing the loop when the customer shows up like is there a specific do you have to have a tablet a Momos tablet at the POS or do you <laughs> no no so we were. We, we have no hardware at Momos because we feel like the restaurants already have <laughs> too many tablet too many home. tablets, too many <laughs> QR codes. So we're extremely hardware light in terms of Got what it. we offer. We directly integrate with the POS um, okay. providers or the loyalty platforms directly. So you can create mm-hmm. these offer codes on those platforms, upload mm-hmm. it to Momos, and then we help you distribute it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you can redeem it in any way. The customer mm-hmm. can either enter the code, they can give a QR code that's scannable mm-hmm. um, or do whatever you need to, to okay. do that. And if you're running the ads, well, you would never run the ads for something like a third-party delivery. It wouldn't make any sense. You're, yeah. already, paying, you're already paying marketing for Exactly, that. so for <laughs> third-party deliveries, uh, typically you'd run ads just on third-party right. platforms themselves. Yeah. But we think like growing your first-party base, we're starting to see for a lot of our customers, it's starting to be mm-hmm. like 10, 15% of their sales are coming directly from their own websites and their yeah. own apps as well. So you can actually use these advertising programs to find segments mm-hmm. that are more likely to order from your website. So for example, like um, if it's a large catering order or a large web order, right? Mm-hmm. It makes more sense to order directly from your website because then your delivery is still fixed as opposed to having to pay a large, uh, potentially a large commission to the third party delivery. So there's certain segments that you can use specifically um, for your own first party um, and not only build that type of audience, but grow that and cultivate it over time. Interesting. It makes a lot of sense that, yeah, higher value catering orders are gonna go through 1P versus 3P where you can't specify things. What um, other advice do you have um, when it comes to third party delivery or like, what are you seeing work well? We talked about, you know, like pulling out feedback around the quality, but are there any other things that you see restaurants invariably like any traps that they fall into when it comes to dealing with these platforms? Yeah, I mean, I think on the feedback side specifically, you have to really uh, segment out what's third party, what's first party, and then also um, your own dine-in. Because mm-hmm. for third party, there's you're, you're dealing with uh, drivers that are coming and picking up the food, right? right. So uh, sometimes it's easy to fall into a trap where you're like, hey, it's potentially the driver's fault. And sometimes it is, right? Maybe the driver just gave the wrong order to the customer mm-hmm. and that caused the one-star rating from the customer because they're unhappy. But sometimes it could just be the staff at the restaurant forgot to add certain sauces, right? Or forgot the sides or or forgot to add cutlery or something else happened, right? So I think it's very easy and straightforward to say, maybe it's just on the driver, maybe it's 20, 30% on that, but 
really identifying those cases where, because you're getting so much volume of orders, uh, and one thing we gotta remember is with all these advent of delivery is now you're dine-in pickup, third-party delivery, first party, all of this stuff is coming in at the same time. Um, so it's really, really important to have clear SOPs and operational mm-hmm. uh, know-how in, in those locations to be able to um, fix it if it's not working mm-hmm. um, and take learnings from places that uh, locations that did, it is really working. Mm-hmm. Um, so we think that third-party really treating that as its own um, problem set um, mm-hmm. is also very important. Very fascinating. All right, Sai, this has been amazing. Um, as we come towards the end of the convo, I'd love for you to just talk about predictions as we add more, there's going to be more channels. We know this, we don't even know what they are, right? Um, what are your predictions for how Momos will be at the heart of that as, as far as you know, powering these new interactions between restaurants, restaurant brands and consumers and yeah, what that looks like over the next five plus years? Yeah, I mean, what we believe at Momos and we're already starting to see this happen in the industry is there's gonna be a phase of bundling of softwares, right? Where restaurants and decision makers at restaurants want to get to a point where they're not dealing with a fully fragmented tech stack yeah. with tens or hundreds of different solutions that don't speak to each other. Um, I think they're going to demand to have a single offering for s- specific buckets, mm-hmm. right? And what those buckets are, especially for a hospitality business, customer aspect of it is ex- extremely, extremely important. Yeah. What they're saying, how to um, uh, engage them, retain them, becomes its own important piece of what what there is. Mm-hmm. And I believe that for us at Momos, um, since we're so dedicated and focused on product and engineering, in two, three years, there might be an additional part of this that gets added to it that we keep adding on. Um, and our goal is, especially with the advent of AI, making this as efficient and effective as possible for the restaurants and keeping up with the latest trends um, and really serving as that layer of simplicity uh, for a lot of restaurants to using AI. Uh, because when you just go in, it could be intimidating, right? If you just see Gen AI or Dolly or mm-hmm. any of these places that you're trying to go in, that UX might not be exactly what restaurants mm-hmm. want to use. So simplifying that and putting it in an um, area that is easily understandable and fits in with their existing technology um, is something that we're going to keep focusing on um, um, as, as this wave continues. Awesome. Um, if people want to learn more about Momo, see these case studies, um, inquire, or even potentially work for you, how do they uh, go about getting in touch? Yeah, uh, it's it's very straightforward. Um, so our website, www.momos.com, has all the case studies, information about getting in touch, uh, and they could also just reach out to me directly uh, at site.momos.com. Okay, amazing. Well, yes, I, I, I definitely share your vision for unified uh, tech stack, not you know, all the spaghetti integrations and... Um, everybody seems to be wanting this, so yeah, wishing you the best of luck. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're curious to get a first-hand look at the cutting edge of food and tech, check out Hungry.tv. That's Hungry with No You, where you can join in on live conversations like these or sign up for the free weekly newsletter.